Welcome to the Sunday Message Podcast of Bethany Church in Fresno, California. We hope this message will encourage and equip you as you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. If today's message helps you, share it with a friend. If you would like to know more about the ministry of Bethany Church, please reach out on Facebook or at BethanyChurchFresno.com. And now, here's this week's message. So we're going to get into John 4. Uh, the full story goes 1 through 44, uh, but that's a lot to read through. So we're just going to go 1 through 26. So if you're able and you want to stand, it just shows a little sign of respect for the word. If you can't, no big deal, but go ahead and take a stand with me and then we can all stand together uh, and we'll read through this really great story. I'm reading out of the NIV, uh, so that's my version. You might have something different. That's all right. Uh, so it goes like this. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from his journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour, so about 12 o'clock for us. When the Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, You would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did all his sons and his flocks and his herds? And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become... In him, a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. And he told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. And Jesus declared, believe me, woman, (laughs) believe me, woman, a time, sorry guys, this is how I read it in my head. A time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet as time is coming and has now come when the true worship Worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. They are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming, and when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. There it is, guys. Go ahead and take a seat. I know there is so much good stuff in here. Okay, I'm watching the time. I don't think we're going to make it by 10, just so you know. 
All right, so we, we get into this, and, and it's starting with uh, the Pharisees are recognizing uh, that Jesus, it's not actually Jesus who's baptizing, but his disciples are baptizing more than John the Baptist. And so they're, you know, they are really have a lot of conflict with Jesus because they don't like that he's gaining in this popularity and stuff. And so when Jesus recognizes that the Pharisees are starting to take offense, he's like, I got to get out of here. And not because he was afraid, not because he's like, oh, Pharisees, but because the time had not yet come. Everything Jesus does is about timing. And so when the Pharisees were starting to kind of bow up and bow up, I'm such a youth pastor, they're bowing up, uh, and they were, you know, kind of coming against Jesus, Jesus is like, it's not time yet. The conflict time has not yet come. And so Jesus says, I need to go uh, from Judea, and I'm going to go up to Galilee. And so I want to give you just a quick lesson because when I, I'm, I'm a nerd on this stuff. And so, uh, you're going to nerd out with me. And so when we're looking at this map that we have, uh, Judea, uh, or Judah at the time, uh, was a part of, um, the 12 tribe division. So we have Abraham, we have Isaac, we have Jacob, and then we have the 12 tribes that were from his 12 sons. And so that land was then divided amongst all of these people. And so in the southernmost part here in Judah, that's where we're going to be looking, uh, is that this is where our story is is actually at. And so when Jesus is like, I'm going from here to here, uh, we want to actually see that. And it's important because um, these these different areas of land were actually conquered. So Babylon came in and, and conquered, conquered part of Judah and took it over. And they literally took part of the population of people that were there, took them back to Babylon, and then they kind of left the ones that they're like, nah, we don't really want these ones. So they left. So everybody that was left there were kind of like that, eh, you didn't quite make it. Like, we don't want you part of our nation so you can stay in your own. Um, literally left part of the population that was there. And, um, and what began to happen is that population that was left, because all of this area had been conquered, is they began to intermarry uh, amongst the different areas around. Now, that didn't just change some of the ethnicity, but it also changed it a lot of the religion, the Jewish religion. So they started taking bits and pieces of the religions that were around them. So they started as this kind of Jewish nation that was destroyed and conquered, and then all of a sudden, now they're creating this sort of religion that's really polluted. So they really weren't Jews anymore, but they used some of the Jews, uh, the Jewish rituals and rites, and they even built a temple uh, and all these different things, but it was a really polluted religion. And so the Jews were like, you guys have destroyed what God did. And so Samaritans then became like the lowest of the low. And so they really didn't, they, they really didn't, it wasn't just we don't like you, it's that you destroyed what God did, and we really don't like you. So, it, the, yeah, really. And so the Jews, they saw, okay, we are the best because we are God's chosen nation, uh, nation. And then there was the Gentiles, you don't know the truth, so we don't like you and we're not a huge fan of you. And then there was like Samaritans, is that you knew what God gave you, and then you destroyed it. And so they were really the lowest of the low. And so when we look at this story, we're seeing Jesus, he's traveling literally from the bottom, Judea, and there's a side of this, and he has to go up to Galilee, but to get to Galilee, he literally has to go through this area of Samaria. So here we have Jesus traveling with his disciples, again, a whole Jewish little crew, you know, Jesus' crew of Jews, which is rolling up, and they have to go through Samaria to get to Galilee. And so as 
coming through, they stop at this city right here, Sychar. And so that's where our story is beginning. So we look at this and we said, so now we had to go through Samaria. So we came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. Like a lot of times when I look at these, I try to think of moments that I can identify with Jesus. And so, you know, I look at this this map that was up there, and I was like, Jesus had to travel pretty far, you know, and there's no, like, you know, plane strands and automobiles. It's just Jesus and his two feet, you know. And remember, he's fully man and fully God, so Jesus cannot fly to Galilee. Like, he actually has to walk. And so he's he's traveling to and from these places, and he's, he's like any of us, he'd have to walk. And I started to think of a time when I went on a walk. Um, I was going with uh, Christy and Courtney and others, and they said, Janice, you just need to go on this beautiful hike. I was at the beach, we were having like this, I was on vacation, you know, I had a day and a half, and I was like, I'm just going to go on vacation. And they said, why don't you come with us on this hike to go watch the sunset? Now, doesn't that sound nice? Like, oh, let's go watch a, a beach hike, and then we'll go watch the sunset. And I, and I was like, how far is it, you know, because I'm not 20 anymore. You know, how far? Oh, it's like a quarter mile. Like, no big deal. Like, you can do this. And so we, so my expectation is this, is that, you know, we're just going to walk along, and then the sunset's going to happen, and it's gorgeous. And so they take me, they literally, they, they park in this parking lot, and they take me to this back road, and we're like behind it, and they're like, be quiet, we're not supposed to park here. So we're like all like really quietly walking around to this trailhead. So we get to this trailhead, and I look up, and I kid you not, it's like we're going straight up. And I was just like, how far did you say this was? And they're like, oh, it's a quarter of a mile, quarter of a mile at most. And I was like, okay, fantastic. So we start walking, and, and we're just walking, and I am, I don't have any water because I don't drink water. I have nothing, like I'm not hydrated at all. My body's already dehydrated before the walk. And it is just this hill that just goes straight up. And, you know, like my, I'm looking at my watch. I'm like, we're at a quarter of a mile. We're, guys, how far is it? This is literally, this is a picture of me going up the hill, <laughs> trying to go find the sun. And the sun's going down, so it's not like we can stop. And so we're, you know, we're just going up. And then my, my, I have this smartwatch that tells you about your exercise step. It starts mocking me. Like, this is the most exercise you've done all year. And I'm like, thank you. Be quiet. You know, and I'm like, okay. You know, and, and they're, they're so nice. They're like, it's just fine. Just another half mile. You know, so I'm pretty sure about 20 miles later, we got to the top of this thing. And I'm just, my heart is just like, you know, coming out. And, and I really felt like I'd gone on a journey. But then here's the picture. This is the picture I took. So it's beautiful. I wouldn't do it again, but look at that picture. <laughs> so worth it for that one time. So when, when they're talking about Jesus going on a journey, that was what I thought of. Like, I know what that journey feels like. You know, and so, so Jesus is tired. He's worn out. He's, he's thirsty as he's exhausted. And so he stops at the city and he stops at this well. Now remember, Jesus is all about timing. So it wasn't just like, oh, I just happened to be there while this lady was there. You know, I, I preached before where we talked about Jesus going uh, into the city and they needed to go get the donkey and Jesus was miles away and he's like, there's a donkey over there, you need to bring it back. And he's miles away. God knows things. So it wasn't like I just happened upon this lady. He knew her and he's like, I need to talk to her today. I need to go find her. And so that's what he does is he goes and finds her and he sits at the well. And then our story begins. Verse seven, Jesus said, will you give me a drink? 
And the lady goes, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. How can you ask me for a drink? And this is what makes me so sad about this is that she has, she has a sense of herself of that I am not worthy of you even to talk to me. I have no worth. I have no value. I'm a Samaritan. And I don't know if you think about people in your life that just feel like this. Maybe it's you. Maybe you just feel like I'm that woman. Is I don't feel like I have value. I don't feel like I have worth. That she's like, how can you even ask me? I'm a Samaritan and you are a Jew. That sometimes I feel like people think about this as Christians. Is that, oh, I'm not good enough to be a Christian. You guys are so good and I'm just, you know, I'm just me. And so as we're going through the story, I really want you guys to begin thinking, who are these people in your lives that fit these things? Because Jesus is trying to meet them too. He's trying to meet them at the well. So who is the person in your life that you're like, man, this is the person that just doesn't feel worthy. This is the person that doesn't even think that they're good enough. Because that is exactly who Jesus wants to meet and talk to. And this lady that he's meeting is what I call a three strikes you're out kind of lady. Okay? She is a Samaritan, she's a woman, and she's a floozy. That's right. I said it in church. She's a floozy. I actually, actually sent a text to my family. Should I say hussy or floozy? And so we, the, the straw poll from the Freeze family was that we go with floozy. Is that, this is my life. So she was kind of like a, a three strikes you're out kind of person. You know, she's already from the lowest of the low. Uh, as far as Samaritans, she's a female, so females had absolutely no value during this time. We were actually property, we weren't people. And not only the little value that we did have in marriage, she'd had five husbands and now was with someone that wasn't a husband. So she was already considered of zero to no value. So this is who Jesus is trying to meet with. And I love this because when Jesus meets with her, we're looking at verse 10 right now. He says, if you knew the gift of God and it who it is and sorry if you knew the gift of god and who it is that asked you for a drink you would have asked him and he would have given you living water this is going to be the whole point of this story is figuring out who jesus is and what he wants to do for you what is that gift that he wants to give you and the cool thing about this is that we know even at the beginning of the story that anybody including the woman all they have to do is ask and jesus is like it's yours it's yours. It does not have to be earned. And that's going to be this whole process as this woman is going through is that she is going to try to earn and understand and do. And she just wants instructions on how do I get this living water when Jesus is like, you do nothing and I do everything. That as Christians, a lot of times we get into that where we're like, I need to do this and that and give me the formula, build me the program. You know, I think we get a lot of pressure as churches is like build the right program do the right thing. And it's not about building the right program, but it literally is us taking you to Jesus and saying, he already did it, let's just do it together. So that's what we got to get to. And so we're looking at verses 11 through 15, and I want to just break this down a little bit. And it says, sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw the well, to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? 
And so, you know, so she's basically saying like, well, you don't have, you know, you don't have a bucket. You're not powerful enough. You're not good enough. And her understanding is because of this perverted religion that she has is that it's going to be all about actions and doing and being like she has to. Well, well, you don't even have a bucket and you don't have enough power because you're not even Jacob. You know, like you are not enough and we need to work at this. We need to work and do all the things right. And then it will be enough. She wants to work through, and I liked uh, Ken's illustration with the backpack, is that when we get really religious and we forget about the gospel and Jesus, is that we keep putting things on ourselves to be good enough. You know, we don't have a bucket. We didn't, oh, I didn't do 20 million, you know, devotionals this last week, so God must be angry with me. Or, you know, I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't go to church 20 times. Or, you know, whatever, whatever religious practice to you is the practice, is that if we miss that, sometimes we feel not good enough. Or, oh man, I sinned, you know, and, and I did this, and I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. And, and we have this work harder you know, do better kind of mentality, just like this lady did. This whole practice of her religion um, and what had been created in Samaria was a do, a do religion. You know, we go to Mount Gerizim, we do the sacrifices, and we do all these different things. Even in the Jewish culture, it was about that. You know, you sin, you know, I kill a steer. You know, you do this, goodbye pigeon. You know, there was a lot of things that were going on that were practices to cleanse yourself and to do these things. And so this mentality of I need to do things in order to be good enough is ingrained in this culture. And what Jesus wants to do is to say, it's not about what you're doing and how you practice and all these different things. He's saying, I'm it. All you got to do is ask. That's it. And you are already good enough. That's the great news about this message is that this lady just wants to like be like, well, tell me what I got to do to get this water so I don't have to keep coming to the well. Make my life easier. And how much, how much of us is like, well, just tell me what I need to do to make my life easier. You know, like if I got to pray and Jesus will give me a million dollars, I'm in. We would have so many Christians, you know, but Jesus is like, it's not about making your life easier and just being vending machine Jesus. He's like, I'm not about giving you these things that you think you want. I'm about giving you life. I want you to do something that is continually with you. And so we, 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 he's bringing her down all these things, and he's like, no, you're missing it. You're missing it. You're missing it. And so we get into verse um, 17, and I love this part because <laughs> this is another time where Jesus, like, is given insight into somebody's life. And I don't think... I would take this that well as she did, but she took it quite well. So when Jesus is like, you know, um, go call your husband and come back. And she says, I have no husband. And then Jesus is like, that's right. You had five and now you're with someone that didn't. She took it really well. Like, I feel like props to the Samaritan lady because she was like, whoa, you know about me. Versus like, this is creepy and run away. Like, she she took it and was like, wow, this guy knows about me. He knows me. And, you know, I think that I look at this and I think I would be so scared of being exposed. But I bet she was like, wow, this person really knows me. He knows everything I did and have done and am currently doing. And he's still talking to me. And and I think that we need to offer that more as people is that we need to be like, it's, a, it's okay no matter what we know about you, we're still engaged with you. And so she's so excited. She's like, oh, wow, you know everything I did and have done. And she is just so impressed by that. 
And um, and I feel like that's one of the, the great things about Jesus is that Jesus isn't looking for perfection. He's looking for honesty. He doesn't expect any of us to be perfect before or, or currently or in the future. He's like, I'm not looking for perfection, but I'm looking for honesty. So when the lady is, is, is basically confirming to him that, yes, yeah, I do have five husbands, you know, she's like kind of excited about it. Uh, she's like, you must be a prophet. You know, she she feels known and that God sees her because prophets are, are people that God speak through directly to people. So, you know, like there's prophets in the, Old, uh, in the Old Testament. God is speaking to the prophet. The prophet is then speaking to the people and it's directly the voice of God. And so here is a prophet, like someone that directly is connected with God, that is speaking to her and knows her. This might have been the first time in her life that she really felt seen. And even though it was in that dark, dirty part of her, she's probably like, this is amazing. I am known. Jesus knows who I am. And that's so important that we let people feel seen. So she says in verse 19, and there's this like, I see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. And Jesus said, a time is coming when you will worship the father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. That goes right back to this place and space. And this is, I feel like this is so relevant right now, is that they were so focused on where should we worship. So the Samaritans were at Mount Gerizim, and then the Jews were doing uh, Jerusalem. That's the two places that they built temples. And so they were like, I need to, where should I worship? Where do I need to go to worship you? And and Jesus has said, there's, it's not about getting to a place. You know, I think it's this, this last year was so hard for us with COVID because, you know, we were like, oh, we gotta, we gotta get to a place. We gotta get back to church. We need to get into a building. But the reality is, is Jesus is like, you worship anywhere. When you were at home, when you were with your families, when you were with your friends, wherever you were, it wasn't about getting back together and, and we have to be in rows and you have to be watching me on this stage. But Jesus is saying, there's going to be a time where you don't have to go somewhere that I will be with you always. And so I don't know what this year is going to hold and, and, and last year was crazy, but, but recognize like no matter what happens that God is like, worship me anywhere, worship me everywhere. You know, whether that's in your house and with your families or with your friends or in small groups or, or, or here, but you don't have to be here to have this experience. That's what, what this place is for. We're literally bringing you here to encourage you and to train you to go out and do stuff, to go out and worship in your homes, to go out and worship in your communities. That it, the religion part is saying it has to be this way, and the relationship part is saying, I'm with you always. And you don't have to do it this way. And I love that because when Jesus is saying in verse 23, there's a slide, a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. Is that for so much of my life, this verse was used as, you know, you do something wrong and you're like, well, you need to worship God in spirit and truth. And the truth is you messed up. You know, like I can't even tell you how many people have used that verse to to basically destroy someone. Well, that's not the truth, you know, you're thinner, you know, and, and that's not what this is about. That's the religious side of it. When we worship in spirit and in truth, it's literally us receiving the truth of who Jesus is. 
He is the living water. He is the one that fills us. So when we worship him in truth, it is literally saying, I receive what Jesus has done and that it is enough. And that makes me enough. That's what it means to worship in truth. And to worship in spirit literally means because God is spirit and we have a spiritual part of us. We have a physical body and we have a spirit in us is that we are connecting those two things together. See why it's not just about doing. Doing is a little bit more in my body, isn't it? You know, or knowing about Jesus is in my head a little bit. But there is another component of literally connecting with God and spending time with him where I don't have to do, I don't have to be, I don't have to be perfect. I literally spend time with Jesus and say, man, I believe that you are who you say you are. That you say I'm enough, you say I'm loved, and I'm just going to sit in that for a little bit. That's what it means to worship in spirit and in truth is to take time in our actual spirit recognizing that, Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. And everything that comes out of that then after, so all this desire to worship, all this desire to love, all of that is a component of that worshiping in spirit and truth because I have first received what Jesus did for me. So all of those actions come after. If we try to do them before, that's religion. Be better, do better, blah, 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 get to Jesus. That's not what it's about. It's about receiving and spending time with Jesus and all of these things coming out of that. It's very different. Religion versus relationship. It's about accepting and connecting. That's what it is about. It's about accepting and connecting. A couple more slides, Morgan. Sorry, I'm going fast. I'm trying to stay within time. Verse 26, the woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you, I who speak to you am he. I don't think that during this whole conversation she figured it out. Like, I, I think that right up until that last point where Jesus is like, actually, I just did that. I told you so. I don't think he did that. But I don't think that she realized, even though Jesus was giving all these answers, that till the end when, when she's like, I'm, I'm, I know, I want to know that. I'm waiting for the Messiah as she's sitting with the Messiah. I can't tell you how many times I've done that. Jesus, I need to know an answer. And then he's like, I already gave it to you. And I was like, cool, I'm going to write it down now. You know, like, I don't, I don't think that we get this is that we... We so often are so caught up in doing the right thing and being the right thing that we miss the point. Where Jesus is like, I already told you what you need to do. I'm the one, and I'm the one telling you. I already did it. And so I can't imagine what this slide is. It says that God gives us revelation, which literally means he gives us an understanding of something spiritual. I think that as soon as he said, I am he, I think that this just veil that was in front of her face just lifted up and that she was like, oh. It's you, you know, like, I get it, you know, and, and, oh man, it's already time. Oh my gosh, God, so many good things. But I think that, and that's what she needed to hear because when that, when he, when he revealed himself to her, it answered that question that we came to at the beginning. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you. I think at that moment she realized who was finally asking her. It's the Messiah. It's the Christ that we've been waiting for. He's the one that I want to ask all these things to. And so when she does, you will see in the, in the rest of this chapter is that um, all of a sudden she shares her story with the village. And then um, other Samaritans believe in Jesus. And then they come to Jesus. He stays for two days. And then huge parts of this village are saved. Huge parts of this simply because they were, they believe the woman and they 
met with Jesus and they received what he had to give to them. That was it. So my encouragement to you guys is this. Don't be religious. Don't be like the woman that's like, I got to do these things and, and these are the reasons it has to be this way and, and all these things trying to get to Jesus. Jesus already says, he knows everything that you've already done. He knows, you know, all the things that, that you've chosen in your life, all of your intentions, all of your thoughts. He knows all of these things and he is still saying, come to me. I want to give you living water. So don't be weighed down by who you think you are. If you feel like you're unworthy, if you feel like you didn't do good enough, Jesus is like, I know what you've done, and all you need to do is ask, and I want you. And then spend some time with Jesus. It says, you know, he connected with him. So take that living water in, which literally means, Jesus, I'm going to just spend some time with you. I'm going to soak up who you are, and then everything will outpour from that. All of my service, all of my actions, all of my thoughts, all of the things that, that, that I, I think about you, all of that will pour out of that. That's the goal. Don't be religious. Build your relationship. Yeah? Sound good? So we're gonna pray and then, um, and then we'll do the benediction. It's 1010. Ah, oh, Jesus, I love you. God, I love you so much and, um, God, I just pray that if there's anything here that wasn't of you, God, let it fall to the ground and be forgotten. But God, if somebody just needed to hear something today, God, something that was said, God, something that you showed, God, I pray that you would give them revelation right now in Jesus' name. God, that they are loved and that they are wanted and they are enough. And it's not about being good enough. We are already good enough because you said that we are. God, I pray whoever needs to hear that right now, God, that that would just penetrate into their soul. God, that that would be sealed there in Jesus' name. God, that you would just reveal to them who they are in Christ. God, we love you so much, and we're so grateful for this time to worship and to pray and um, to just hear your word. God, we just pray these things in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. Know that God loves you more than you can imagine. And for everything Bethany Church, check out BethanyChurchFresno.com.